Hey guys, as you may or may not know, we at Liberty Tree have an apparel site with lots of cool stuff on it. I like to think of our line of clothing as subversive high fashion. Our clothes let you wear your heart on your sleeve and express your descent with quality and style. We would really appreciate it if you all checked out our stuff to see if there was something for you or another lover of liberty in your life might like. Um, remember back in the summer of 2022 when the ruling regime doubled the size of the IRS and then lied and told us it was not to squeeze every last cent out of the middle class, but instead only to go after their own rich friends? Well, here's what we want to do. For the rest of 2022, we're going to run a special on our Defund the IRS t-shirts, which come in red, black, and heavy metal green, uh, excuse me, heavy metal gray, where you can purchase this shirt for 20% off. Here's the thing though. We don't want you just to buy the shirt for yourself, although that would be nice. We also want you to buy this shirt and send it directly to your congressional representative. Go to our website, libertytreelifestyle.com, add the shirt to your shopping cart, and then enter your representative's name and address in Washington, D.C. to have it shipped directly to the Capitol. We've included a link in the shirt description that will show you your particular congressman's address. Let's let these bastards know that we are for defunding the IRS completely, and let's do it in style. Do you ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Hey, We're Mr. On, uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Feels like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I full-blown like memory lane right now totally. i honestly i don't think i've heard that since i was like 18 really <laughs> yes <laughs> and you know it's kind of fun i'm gonna be marking my age here but i remember my family for christmas got like the five disc changer for, yeah. the, for the home stereo and then uh we, i went out and bought my first batch of cds and it was that which is fire hose flying the flannel, yeah, uh, fishbone, napalm death, and Boston. <laughs> nice <First> stage. It's <laughs> a good combo. Right yeah, there. yeah. I saw I saw fire hose live once, and it was one of the kind of weirder shows. It was a giant show. Yeah, it was uh, butthole surfers headlined. 
Oh, really? And then main support was the Stone Temple Pilots. And then Fire Fire Hose opened the show. No shit. Yeah. Damn. And what's even cooler... Because Stone Temple Pilots, like, were just blowing up. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, they're pretty big. I mean, I was never, like, a huge fan of them, but they, I mean, it was a great show. And Butthole Surfers just kind of killed it. But, um, because we were just poor, like, little punk rock kids, I bought uh, a a, uh, black market shirt, concert shirt in the parking lot. Yeah. And I didn't, we didn't realize till later is, remember that band that, just shitty hair metal band firehouse yes they were on oh the yeah show. <laughs> he told me that <laughs> and so we just we all bought it. i remember there were six bucks and then yeah we realized like dude did you see did you see our shirts they says a uh, firehouse and so we just rolled with it and people yeah, wear that shirt like you saw butthole servers and firehouse i was like yeah dude firehouse is really good <laughs> they bring it yeah that's good. Uh, good man you wouldn't know it by all their music and videos but yeah they were live they were they're insane not to be confused with my uh air band that i was in one time mm-hmm. called fire horse fire horse yes yes uh short-lived but man you know when you burn that bright you tend to burn out yes quick. exactly uh i think that- mike that that shirt actually set a uh, a trend in my life because now I go um, I go on eBay and I try to buy like cheap Chinese knockoff things where they get the spelling wrong. So I have like a sweet Cobra Command shirt with one M in command. <laughs> <laughs> I like the geniuses that kind of like you know that's spelled wrong. Oh, is it? Is it? Thank you. <laughs> I think yeah, Mike Watt uh, was probably my first base hero or first like yeah definitely base yeah hero first person i really was he's he's in, amazing enamored with yeah the bass playing yeah um and just such a cool musician you know when he and uh d boone had Minutemen, like their whole mm-hmm. approach to punk rock was so pure and right. just true it was they they were not like any other punk rockers they were yeah. they were truly punk rock where everyone else was kind of you know, punk rock in name, but they were, they yeah. lived the DIY right. ethic and the, you know, we jam econo kind of. Yeah. There, there's approach a, to their music. One of, the, one of my favorite books of all time is called this book or this band could be your life. Uh-huh. And each chapter is dedicated to specifically a band that like minor threat and minor threat. And REM is one of the chapters in that, right? Or am I thinking of another book? No. Cause it's all, if, you were, um, I think one of the prerequisites for getting a chapter written about is that you didn't buy into the corporate establishment. So if you signed to a major label for it, it's... But didn't REM, and I, I, I'm not saying they're in the book, but yeah. weren't, didn't REM get a lot of respect for not buying into that? Even though, I mean, I know they were mainstream and, and big time, but wasn't... Well, they were my limited... Well, no, they were signed to a major. It yeah. became huge and run MTV. Yeah, I guess eventually but they, they I did, think but that... I just, I know a lot of people that consider REM to be like the, the beginnings of indie rock, like way back in the day before their hits and everything. Mm-hmm. So I remember they were kind of like considered like a cool band. What's a cool era about that of, of punk rock? And you're talking about like the Minutemen and a lot of bands from, you know, that 
you know, they're in that book, you know, black flag, for example, mm-hmm. and X is like punk rock wasn't a defined sound. Right. You know what I mean? It was just, it was more of like a way of doing things. Right. And so you had things like the blasters and X and Husker do Husker do. Yeah. And they just all had this like super unique sound. It was, it was not like what you would think as like punk rock blurring guitars and yelling stuff, you know, black flag yeah. was doing their just thing. Being offensive. And- yeah. So Mike Watt actually married Kira from black flag. Who's also one of the coolest bass players of all time? Really, I was like, yeah, they're like a power bass couple. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> little <laughs> little knowledge that may or may not be useful. Yeah, I mean that that band, <clears throat> that song too. I mean, goddamn, I that whole album's great. Yeah, it is a fantastic album. One thing I love about, well, you know, I'm not going to keep going off on these guys. Uh, this is not a music podcast, despite what the first. Uh, eight and a half minutes of every <laughs> podcast <laughs> would have you believe. Uh, okay. So I had this thought okay. that I wanted to kind of try to articulate. So okay. I'm going to, I'm going to run it by you. Tell me what you think. Okay. It's about money. Mm-hmm. We take money for granted mm-hmm. in the sense that everyone has dollars in their wallet or has had dollars in their pocket at some time. And it's a, it's a piece of paper that you just believe in Mm -hmm. despite the fact that it's not really worth, it's not truly worth anything. Like if you went to a native American 500 years ago and tried to give them a hundred dollar bill for something, they just would laugh at you. Yeah. Get fucked, man. Right. (laughs) What am I going to do with this? And that doesn't really occur to you as an adult, because you just get so used to just accepting mm-hmm. stuff. You don't have time to be like a child questioning, like, cause I, as a kid, I would look at paper money and I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Why is this one worth more than this one? This one has a five on it. This one has a one on it. They're the same fucking thing. They're the same amount of ink. They have the same size. They're the same weight. Why was one worth more we than the other? We talked about this. Symbols we talked about it? this quite a bit on the last podcast. And we were talking about the, the FTX scandal. And, um, cause when you get down to what, what, Cause their the cause of their downfall was their fucking criminals, <laughs> but it's what happened to them was the equivalent of a bank run. And when you understand how a bank run works, you have to understand how fractional reserve lending works. And once you get into fractional reserve lending, you realize like that's how we said like we live entirely in the trust tree when it comes to our money system. It's just it's yeah. just kind of taken as a given. Like this this money I'm giving you, it'll be worth roughly the same amount tomorrow or the next day. It's not. And when you look at how inflation works and what our money is worth now compared to 20, 30, 40, you know, ever since we got off the gold standard. And that's why that book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, is such a fascinating book. Sorry for the noise. Yep. My my back, I just feel like I was hunched over talking into this microphone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know your back's hurting you. Maybe that's, I'm just feeling sympathy pains. So I was thinking, yes, exactly. That's, you know, it just, every once in a while it just dawns on you. Like you just have a a stoner moment when you're stone cold sober. Uh, And I was thinking about like, just a child's perspective on money mm-hmm. and how right kids are that it's not actually worth oh, yeah. a goddamn thing. Right. The only thing it's worth is whatever faith you put yeah. into it. And then do you remember being a kid and your grandpa would tell you, he's like, 
I used to be able to go to a movie mm-hmm. for a nickel. Right. And all you could think was, or like we just watched Home Alone mm-hmm. the other night. Junior loves it. Right. Obviously. He always wants me to fast forward to the part where he they sticks the gun out of the doggy door and shoots Joe Pesci in the nuts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, in that movie, the pizza delivery kid shows up at the beginning of the, of the movie and he has 10 pizzas mm-hmm. and he's like, that'll be $104 and 75 cents. And you're like, good God, 10 pizzas for a hundred bucks. And then the people that are in the movie, are like saying the exact opposite, a hundred bucks. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, 10 pizzas times 12 bucks a pizza or whatever. And yeah. you're just like, God, 12 bucks a pizza. The natural inclination is to think shit used to be cheaper. Oh yeah. But that is not the, the truth. Mm-hmm. In fact, the truth is probably closer to shit used to be more expensive because we didn't have the processes and the technology to make right. it cheaper. Yeah. Now, say what you will about that. I mean, processed cheese is cheaper than the cheese they used to use on pizzas. So even though it's cheaper now, it doesn't necessarily, I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing. It's just a, a fact of the money itself is that it never used to be cheaper. So when your grandpa went to the movies for a nickel, it cost him exactly the same thing that it costs you to mm-hmm. go to the movies. Mm-hmm. The difference is that what used to be a nickel is now 15 bucks. Correct. Right? It's th- That's just pure inflation. Yeah. I We're, would argue there's a little bit of a variance in that when they made the decision to systematically poison our food supply, that was a great economic move. Mm-hmm. It really did some wonders. No, hats off to windfall profits. Hats off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And absolutely. then then in turn, the way, I mean, if you look at the profit margins now for the healthcare industry and I mean, big business, you know, diabetes and morbid obesity and <laughs> lifelong heart issues, everything. That's just, that's really was a good move money wise. Yeah. No, I mean, from an investor standpoint. Is Textbook. Yeah. Yeah. Procedure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so I just, I, I was thinking about like, how do you go from, so back in the day, like before 1913 and in various other periods in, in time, uh, we had money that was made of something valuable like gold mm-hmm. or silver. I mean, even in prison, the money's made of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Cigarettes have a value, right? right? They don't have this, this analogy that I was about to say would work in prison. Like if you went to prison and you said, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm going to give you, I'm not going to give you cigarettes for your commissary, mm-hmm. but I'm going to give you this piece of paper. It's an IOU, right? And it's, this thing is as good as my word. So I'm going to give you the IOU. You give me the, the, the cigarettes. And, uh, you know, whenever you want the cigarettes back, you just give me back the IOU. Um, I don't want to derail you, but and just, and other people have said things, I, I really think you should take a break from that prison show. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking addicting. dude. You have got to watch 60 days in. If you haven't seen it yet, I'm telling you, you're missing out. Okay. So this is how, this is the story. This is how the story goes of the very first time that money was printed. Okay. Okay. So everyone's doing business in gold and silver. And then one day, this guy comes up and he says, Hey, trade me your, you know, whatever you make your coat of your suit of armor or your, the meat that you're processing that you're butchering, trade me that for this piece of paper. 
and the vendor says, well, paper is worthless. I'm not going to trade paper for, you know, a cut of meat. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this paper is very fancy. I'm going to, um, it's, you know, you can use it. He's like, I can't, the, the guy's complains. I can't use this paper to go buy something else that I need, like a suit. Right. He says, well, no, 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 this is fancy paper. You can, because I'm going to force the tailor to give you the suit for the paper. So like, how are you going to do that? And he's like, well, he has to do it or I'm going to shoot him. You know, I'm going to kill the guy. Okay. Like, okay. Um, well, but it's fancy paper. Like anyone can make paper. It's, it's totally worthless. Is it? No, because if, if other people try to make this paper, I'm going to shoot them also. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then the guy says, well, you're going to need a lot more guns and soldiers to do that. All this enforcing. Right. And he says, well, yeah, exactly. Right. So what happens if the paper rips or wears out or, or something? It doesn't seem very durable. And then the guy says, well, we'll just print more of it. And so, well, I thought you said nobody can print any more of it. And the guy's like, no, 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 you misunderstood me. No, we can print <laughs> no. more. We you can print can more print of it. You, no one else can print any more of it. He's like, so hold on. So you give me this. I give you silver. You give me back this piece of paper. And then you just make another identical piece of paper right after that. It doesn't seem like you've like given up anything right. in this transaction. And the guy's like, I know. Yeah. Isn't it brilliant? You got it. Exactly. Vote. <laughs> Get out and vote. <laughs> it's the biggest fucking scam. I mean, the fact that we are going along with mon- paper money. It's and when you, if you've ever gotten into an argument with a like super lefty statist, and you try to bring up a really uh, autistic libertarian idea, like going back onto the gold standard. Like the eye roll, they almost have to like use their whole body to get a sufficient amount of eye roll. Like, oh my God, (laughs) (sighs) the gold standard. Are you serious? You know, like it's just this antiquated, absolutely ridiculous idea. But it's like when you really break it down from a child's perspective, it is the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Why would you give up your money for someone else's paper that they're just going to print more of to give to other people. <laughs> it's, because it's it, so to, silly to circle back to <laughs> the great Jen Psaki, It's being done at the point of a gun. Everything yeah. and under the, under a, a state run system is done. It, everything becomes a reduction to violence eventually. And that is what it's the idea is if you don't eventually at the point of a gun, we will put you in a cage. It's a system that can't, be sustained mm-hmm. and eventually it's going to crash it is and that's why lately like we i keep bringing up on the podcast like it just seems like they're jumping the shark over and over and over again yeah because i think they see the writing on the wall too like the gig is up yeah who gives a shit what we say at this point yeah like we have the guns they don't we're just going for totalitarianism we already have fascism we've had that for years it's time to just put the boot all the way down on the neck yeah. and stomp these people out they yeah. don't well, they don't I, care they don't well, care if you call I, them on this shit I, I think they don't care because I, I can't remember I think we were talking about the election it's like I'm just not interested in hearing it's all we're all getting fucked all these people are criminals there's no difference between Demo- Democrats and Republicans and people that are celebrating in the streets that their guy won by you know with a 51% vote in their whatever county and they think it's cause for celebration it's like 
when you when you look at this bigger picture, you know, when you start out with 1913 and, you know, we look at our, how we're all getting fucked through inflation and the central banking system, it's comical. I'm like, I'm watching you people in front of me, people I know and like on social media sit here and either complain or celebrate about what the color of boot is that's on the back of your neck. Like, dude, you're, we're all getting fucked here. Yep. It's adorable to watch. It really is. Um, we, we current here. I thank God John Fetterman won. That was a close one. <laughs> we kind of already uh, started here, but let's go ahead and uh, start the show. Good morning. Time to get up and go to work. I'm thinking about starting a new segment. Okay. I think I do this every podcast. And if I stick to my track record, this will be the only time I ever do it. But this one's going to be called, What Could Go Wrong? <laughs> San Francisco's Board of Supervisors has approved a measure to allow police to use robots that could potentially use deadly force. The military-grade machines would be operated by trained officers and could potentially kill suspects during critical incidents. The department says that it could be used to get into a building with a violent armed suspect who is barricaded inside. The plan did pass eight to three. Armed police robots. I heard what could go wrong. I feel, you know what? Well, if you've ever watched the show Black Mirror, I think your answer <laughs> oh would be plenty. I feel like at this point, San Francisco is like, is me in my mid twenties of like, let's just do everything wrong. And just see what happens. Right. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to drop out of school and join a hardcore band and just start doing tons of drugs. I'm going to move out of my apartment and couch surf. And it's like, it's this attitude. Look, like, I know. Let's just see what happens. I know what the right thing to do is because, you know, throughout human history, we've come up with some pretty good guidelines and, you know, rails that where you can stay between to do the right thing. You know, but has anyone actually tried this? <laughs> like, Jimmy. I don't want to do those dishes that are in the sink. They've been in there for like three weeks at this point, And God knows what's growing on them. I say we'd bring the trash can in, just throw all our dishes away. Yeah. Look, I know, hear me out. It might be a little irresponsible, but think about it. If we throw the dishes away, then we will never have to do dishes again. <laughs> right? Who's with me? <laughs> That's how San Francisco is running things. It's not just San Francisco either, for Christ's sake. Hey, but I, they are... They are the purveyors of this new new way of running things. They're the and best. It's pretty exciting. And yeah. I say that I lived in San Francisco for several years. I don't even recognize. Oh, my that. God. It's insane. I, I don't know. even recognize that place anymore. I know. And as I was, when I was traveling, I had, like, had to drive out to Idaho, and I kept stopping. It was consistent because I love checking out these small towns. I stop and get like lunch or whatever. Is everyone... Every single person said, there's two things. They all said, where are you from? California. You're not moving here, are you? <laughs> no. Is San Francisco really as bad as we hear? <laughs> it is. <laughs> They're all, they, and people are amazed. Like it, it's, like a, it's like folklore at this point. Yeah. And so the way I've always described it, I was like, imagine this. Imagine a third world country, but you can't afford to live there. They're like, wow, that's what we heard. <laughs> Weird. It's just like, yeah, I'm all open sewer, open air drug market. Uh, you cannot afford to rent an apartment. Crime is not C illegal. Crime, crime is legal. <laughs> you just, I just, I saw uh, 
And like, all the businesses are move, profitable businesses, Walgreens, CVS, yeah. Target, right? They're just moving out. They're like, and all right, you guys, like, good luck to you. It's good close luck. to uh, Silicon Valley. So if you need help navigating the city without stepping in human feces, there's apps that'll there, help you. There's an actual profitable <laughs> app that'll teach you how not to step in bum shit. Can you imagine pitching that as an idea like yeah. 20 years ago or, or to like a normal city? Us, us going to the city council where we live, like, hey, we want to develop an app uh, that tracks bum shit all around the city. Like, why? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Stop wasting our time. Actually, they'd probably <laughs> buy into that here. We're close enough to San Francisco. Imagine trying to explain that to your grandfather. Yeah. Ugh. So, um, <clears throat> did you listen to Robert Malone on? Clint's uh, Liberty, Lockdown. Liberty Lockdown podcast. I did. Um, I thought it was really good, man. That guy is a, I think that guy's a national hero. Mm-hmm. Robert Malone. Yeah. Him and Peter McAuliffe are, are two people that the, I toggle back and forth between that are really have to the sacrifice of their own livelihoods. Yeah. have stuck their necks out there, experts in their field. And, but they just, they saw what was going on and they couldn't stay silent. And that's something I have a lot of respect for. Yeah, what he's coming out with uh, lately, his his book is about um, how the basically the deep state perpetrated the biggest propaganda campaign in history on the American people to get them to freak out about COVID nineteen. Right, and uh, it's I mean he he has it on good authority that there was the CIA was involved in this whole COVID hysteria mm-hmm. that, and getting us to take vaccines and, um, wait, are you saying the CIA got involved in a propaganda campaign using our corporate press system? That's what I'm saying. No, 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 That's project mockingbird. And we stopped that in the 70s. <laughs> and it's illegal. <laughs> and it's illegal. And it's they're not supposed to do that. And they stopped. That's where they stopped. <laughs> Um, anyways, I, I recommend it and I'd, I'd recommend checking out his Substack also. Uh, but the reason I bring it up is because you'll remember in last, uh, week's episode, I was questioning our, uh, my own, uh, take on the, the film died suddenly. And that came up in the interview with Clint. Right. And he and Clint both were very um, unenthusiastic about the film, Mm -hmm. I would say. And their point, well, their their feeling on it was that we can't, and we were saying the exact same thing, that we don't want to embrace things that aren't true because it hurts our own brand. Right. Then our brand is truth. Yeah, Our brand is 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 revealing to people what is actually going on I, and, and not making shit up, right? It's and it's easy to get carried away with some conspiracy theories. I mean, we right. we know how easy it is to create a conspiracy theory with that Tom Cochran shit that you came up with. I mean, people were listening <laughs> to that, saying, "Are you guys fucking kidding me? Tom Cochran with the whole Africa thing?" I had to actually explain to people, like, "No, dude, it was all <laughs> made up." As much as I don't like to admit it. <laughs> Because it was so funny to keep people going on that. I gotta admit, our first our our rollout, our first uh, you know chunk of episodes, we I didn't really think people were listening. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I told my wife, like I just get I'd say whatever the fuck I wanted. <laughs> I was making up shit at the top of my head. 
is I, I, I should, I, I want to verify something that you're saying before. And I felt like we tackled this a little bit on the other, on the last episode when we talked about the film, but is this drives me nuts because the things that we bring up or that we talk about and we talk about a certain podcast or whatever it is, is the, the knee jerk inclination for people to make this assumption that what you are doing is giving them a wholesale, basically verification process that like, I, I fully back everything that this person is saying. Like I fully back, like everything in this film is the truth. That's why I'm showing it to you. And that's not it at all. What we were doing, because remember we talked about some people like, I got I got some problems with some of the things that film. Yep. And I was like, awesome. That's why we showed it. What we are here to do is to express and explore ideas because that's how the truth actually comes out. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And I, I still stand by what we said last time, which was that right. I don't know that there's uh, you know a direct link. I can't. I don't think the documentary proved that there's a direct link between these gross fibrous blood clots and the vaccine. Um, but I don't, uh, it seems it's worth getting that information out there because these coroners and these embalmers, they said that we have not seen this before. And now all of a sudden we're seeing it unless they're lying, which I don't, I haven't seen that yet. This is still, um, very important information for people to see and to experience. Now, what yeah, I would agree. What Malone and and Clint were saying is that the and I'll let I'm gonna I have a clip that I'll play and let them say in their own words. But basically, that there was it. You can't make the link between the vaccine and a Bill Gates. Uh, depopulation agenda. Yeah, Klaus right. Schwab depopulation right. agenda. Fair enough. They can't. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I. Uh, that is my hunch, <laughs> and that is what we think they're doing, and I think all signs point to that. But to you know, to say that there is a link, yeah. If you if you're close it up, close it up, close it up. Now, this is something the other tour guides won't tell you. So, um, here is... Uh, I'm just going to play this so we can uh, chime in. I think it's about three minutes long, but uh, we can uh, stop it when you want to. A lot of people are asking saying. about other things that might be running through the center of our hearts right now, and a lot of people have watched the Died Suddenly documentary over the past week. I don't know if you've had an opportunity uh, to see yeah, it. No, I'm I'm well familiar, and I've put out a substack. Uh, okay. Um, and the title of the substack is uh, The Sins of Information Warfare. Hmm. And, and what I'm referring to is that that um, documentary uh, has is is grossly overstated. That's what um, I thought, too. I'm completely uncomfortable. There are factual errors there. This is a sensationalism. And uh, if we buy into this, it's going to come back and bite us. It will be weaponized against us. And many people make the observation that um, Stu uh, Peters has characteristics that validly, you know, raise questions about whose side is he really on? Um, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, it could be undermining our case. Uh, things that have been documented by so many people, Ryan Cole being one of the early ones, uh, in uh, pathologists in in Europe, etc., having to do with the clots uh, and other things. And 
Um, he has uh, sensationalized that and weaponized it and then jumped to the conclusion that uh, this, this represents evidence of a broad-based conspiracy uh, to, um, for depopulation. I, I, I just feel strongly that we have to be better than the other side. The other and so I'm just going to pause it there. I I believe that these guys are on our side and are heroes, basically, in who, this. Who? Robert this Malone? Robert Malone. Okay. And obviously Clint. Right. Um, there's a point in the, in the interview where he, Malone talks about being red-pilled. He's like, I don't know if I'm red-pilled or black-pilled. Like, mm-hmm. there's some days where I'm just, you know, right. I think that it's just completely hopeless. I am uh, well familiar with that ideological um, yeah. <laughs> hop to hop to hop. Yeah, exactly. So, but he's not willing to give the other side the satisfaction of being wrong. And I really admire that. Okay. And there's times where he has made about mistakes. And in, in referencing the documentary. Yeah, and he talks about a time where he retweeted this uh, story about a kid that died suddenly on the basketball court or, yeah. or in the football field or something. Right. Turns out it was before the vaccine was even rolled out. Okay. And he was, you know, apologetic and he, he really regrets it and he deleted the retweet and blah, 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 blah. Um, and... You know what they're what they're saying is that it really hurts the the brand. The other side is the side that's lying. Correct. We don't need to play that game. Right. We have to be honest all the time with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for you and me to be constantly questioning what we're doing and making sure. Oh yeah. That we are absolutely right. And I don't. Um. I haven't. I haven't changed my mind about the documentary mm-hmm. because in that documentary you have really gnarly shit happening that everyone in the documentary says has only started happening since the vaccine was rolled out. Right. And they, unless they're lying, then, uh, this needs to be explained. Mm-hmm. So they didn't necessarily explain it and they didn't make the link, but you know, I, I think I stand by everything that we've said about it. Yeah. Um, you know, is the state controlling us through this, vaccine and through this virus 100 <laughs> percent. they're trying right? their best they roll out the agenda 21 mm-hmm. and lo and behold the whole entire pandemic follows the right. exact protocol that was laid out in there there's now a few, is there's that a because few. they were they had planned it and it they made it happen possibly yeah or is it because they had this roadmap and in the Agenda 21, the virus that they rolled out was very contagious and very deadly. Agenda 201. Sorry, 201. Yeah. There's, and there's, in this one, it was not. There's there's several different ones. There's Agenda 201. There's Agenda 2030. There's a SPARS pandemic paper. Right. Yeah. The, and uh, there's a new one. It's called the Glade, Glade X. That just, right. That, um, I right. think that one came out in 2017. But it's all, it's it's so ominous, ominously accurate. It's, it's, yeah, well, this is what could be happening, though. And I think McCullough makes this, or Malone makes this uh, point. If you have a program laid out, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy just to follow the program. Right. Well, the disease isn't deadly. The disease isn't that contagious. It doesn't matter. We're following. See we're the just page, going see, right. Yeah. See the Patriot Act. Uh, did, did you read page 27? <laughs> yeah, we're locking people in their fucking homes, right? Well, look what China's doing. We're doing what they're doing, okay? They know how to handle this sort of mm-hmm. thing. So um, anyways, 
that's kind of my take on it. Let me finish this up because I want yeah. uh, I want to keep playing it. No, I think there's a lot here. That Malone talking about makes some just a great point here towards the end that we make all the time and lets you know that I think this guy is one of us. Other side um, is willing to uh, weaponize falsehoods on a daily basis. Uh, you know, this is the essence of the propaganda that we're seeing pushed through it's, social it's, media and the press. It's literally and, what we're fighting back against. Yeah, like we, exactly. we can't be, we can't become that. And it, precisely, thank you for saying that, is we have to hold ourselves to higher standards if we want to come out of this and build a better world. I really do feel that we, I'm sensing from all over the world, kind of an organic springing up of belief in uh, a decentralized future in opposition to the centralized, globalized, dark um, dy dystopia that um, they're trying to foster on us. Uh, I think that uh, we have some amazing guideposts about how to get there. Um, it is this incredible document, a set of documents that we call the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. I put that music in at the end. <laughs> it's the weirdest porn I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, I mean, right? Yeah. We, he just hits the nail right on the yeah. head right there. Like we that. have the way to deal with this. Mm -hmm. It's called the greatest document ever, set of documents ever written. Right? The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. He didn't say Declaration of Independence, but I think if you leave that out of the, the, tri the, the trilogy there, it's... You know, it is the best part. And it's it's not completely happenstance that if you were to look at a Venn diagram of the people that were lockdown cheerleaders, vaccine mandate cheerleaders, just all in on the COVID mainstream narrative and the people that are also saying that like, hey, we should really look at dismantling the Constitution, get rid of the, getting rid of the Constitution, you know, really, really it's like starting to take out certain amendments. That it's Venn diagram is a circle. Yeah, it's, it's the exact same people. Exactly, it's and no that's not an accident. Yeah, it's, it's not a coincidence. Yeah, it's no coincidence that the same people that want you to believe that you're killing someone's grandma by walking around outside without a mask on when you're not sick are also the same people that think the Constitution is right worthless and outdated. Yeah. Um, I mean, I for example. I'm, I'm just, man, you, just, everything you just said, I'm like, I just dread the holidays. <laughs> like, I, I explained it to someone. It's, I feel like I approach the holidays. Everything seems to revolve around like what just a, few, a small handful of people, what their emotional feeling that week, which changes all the time. Like, well, what it is attached to like the vaccine and whatever the latest COVID scare is. And I'm like, I told him, I'm like, I feel like Chuck Norris in those 80s movies, like when he breaks out of the POW camp, he runs serpentine around, you know, trying not to hit the mines in the field, you know, while people are shooting at him. I'm like, that's how I feel like walking into Christmas dinner sometimes. <laughs> like, oh, here we go. I had an article that I wanted to read <clears throat> from the New York Times. It was an op-ed that came out recently about why we should get rid of the Constitution. And... Uh, you can only look at the New York Times website so many times before they cut you off. So I was dildoing it, trying to find out if there was like another way to, to read it. And I, I put in the search, uh, NY Times op-ed, get rid of Constitution. One, there's one, two, three, four, five. 
the six, six, seven, there, seven of the top eight hits on dildo are all from the New York times about getting rid of the constitution. Each one is from a different year. Yeah. A different article. Right. Right. So this lefty publication is every year coming up with another reason why we have to get rid of the constitution. Uh So if you tell someone, I think that the New York times is un-American and they push back. Yeah. Just go dildo this and (laughs) show it to them. I mean, look, 2012, let's give up the constitution. New York times 2022, the constitution is broken and should not be reclaimed. Also in 2022, opinion, is the Constitution obstructing American democracy? Yeah, it is. It's supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it was written, you fucking dunce. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're a journalist? 2013. (laughs) My concrete guy would say that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's what the Constitution is for. Oh, you must have went to call it. No, I dropped out of school in the 11th grade. Uh, Yeah, okay, interesting. (laughs) We all know that. The list goes on and on. This is, that's hilarious. Yeah, but your concrete guy is obviously more well informed <laughs> about liberty than someone that works for the fucking New York Times. Anyways, I just thought that was, it's better than reading the article I was going to find. It's like, Jesus Christ, every fucking year they have a new article about getting rid of the Constitution. They had a good run of constant articles about getting rid of the electoral college until <laughs> Biden won. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Well, that's that. what they do every yeah, other year. For, no, it's, 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 you know, we can't have mob rule. Really? Well, just like every other, really? every other election is the safest, most secure, most honest election of all time. And then when <laughs> Trump wins, it's, he cheated Russia collusion. Fucking. Excluding 2016, all of our elections. <laughs> completely <laughs> Fucking guys. I love it. They're consistent. Um, all these people are consistent. That's all I ask. So speaking of consistency, uh, friend of the show, Christopher Moreno mm-hmm. has a buddy who is a high up in the insurance world. Oh, going back to our, uh, and a couple he, episodes ago, we talked about, I think it, it, it originally started out. We were looking at basically the stock exchange records of the biggest, funeral service providers in the U.S. and how some of them, some of the top ones, they're basically their worth as a company had their market capital had doubled. Yeah. Right around the time the vaccine rollout began, which is what, December well, that's, 14th, 2020? That's what we had heard. That's what we speculated. Uh-huh. Um, but then just, yeah, we were looking at we that. We did some homework on it today. Yeah, I'm not, not sure that's exactly true for whatever right. reason. But anyways, well, it, this is, dude, it is true, but not across the board for all companies. And because we also looked at the inverse, which yeah. are companies that had um, life, you know, life insurance companies like uh, Lincoln National and I can't remember all of them, but they, some of their market capital had been cut in half. Yeah. So they seem to operate as inverses of each other. But then we so, more looked at it like it wasn't across the board. So now we're getting into the nuts and bolts. In, so one yeah, thing that we in, talked about today was... Well, in the spirit of, you know, gut checking right. ourselves. Gut check! <laughs> Moreno reached out to this dude who is uh-huh. in the know. Like if anyone's going to know right. this person. And uh, he said he was going to call in... Uh, today and give us some some facts awesome on that so he should be calling any minute now let's stay tuned for that very nice um 
So one thing that we discovered as we did a little bit of homework, and this is something if this guy calls it, it'd be interesting to talk to him about, is that we were operating under, I wouldn't say the false assumption, but we were using it as an indicator for you know growth or loss in a company you know based on we we're trying to base it on excess mortality rates and like how that would affect different industries but then the more that we talked about it the more we looked at some of these articles you know you, you and I began to kind of brainstorm like so I don't think that can be the most accurate barometer for showing excess mortality because then we also look at you know, we're excluding you know very very valuable factors such as how well is this company being run, right? What are its other subsidiaries? You know, we looked at one company. Did they hire like, any oh, smart? That's kind of like not really the trajectory we thought it would be. And then we looked and like, oh, they also make automobile parts and brake pads, <laughs> and you know, right. it's, a, it's a giant, giant. Did they hire any smart people that may have seen this coming? Right. I'm really curious to ask him. Yes, that question. In fact, I'm gonna make sure I write that down. I talked to, and I'd like to talk to this guy about this. Is I have someone in my family who's kind of high up in an insurance company, and I actually called him and asked him. He uh, said that he deals with a lot of life insurance claims, and I asked him like, so what? How? You know, did you guys see something like this coming? And he told me that he's all the profits that we make on life insurance are insane. That's like one of the most profitable areas. We can accurately depict when how many how many deaths are gonna be, you know, pretty down to the down to the you know individual almost. Like it's very rare that events come along that we we're not ready for. That's like, their whole business. Yeah, there's so much money on the line. Like we're ahead of the curve on this stuff. Imagine you know you have a hundred companies starting out and in order to finish the race, you have mm-hmm. to predict everything accurately. Right. Right. Some of them are going to do it. Yeah. And then the next year, you do it again. The next year, again. These guys have been yeah. around forever predicting stuff accurately. The house always and wins. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I have a, a clip here of uh, a uh, the boyfriend of AOC talking about spreading COVID. No, <laughs> should be you good. can spread it uh, without knowing you're spreading it. Oh, um, really? Asymptomatic, asymptomatic spread. spread. It's called, yeah. We're still hanging on to that, huh? Mm-hmm. Nice. Riley, what has been helpful to you in combating racism? Uh, I oh. think it's helpful and important racism. to talk I thought to it was COVID. white people oh. about racism. And Wait, I think a lot of people... Her boyfriend? Yeah. They don't want to be racist. They don't think that they're racist, but they also don't know some of the things that they believe or say are and can be racist. And I think one of the like effective ways is just to talk and kind of help teach them about why some of the things they believe or say <laughs> or think are wrong. You know, I I got those two mixed up, but now that I think about it, they're kind of the same, aren't they? It's like you didn't think you had COVID, you weren't sick, you weren't coughing, but you had, you COVID, had COVID, and you were killing my grandma. <laughs> and it's the exact same thing. You didn't think you were racist. You weren't thinking racist thoughts. You don't hate black people, but you're still fucking racist. Okay. Okay. Wait. I want to do better. How am I going to figure out when I'm racist? We'll let you know. Exactly. Okay? We'll let you know. Yeah. Don't. Worry about a big guy. When you mess up, we'll let you know. Yeah. In fact, why don't you just stay in your house? Then we're all safe from your racism that you don't know you have. And don't forget the mask. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's dude, the racist mask. That's coming. It's a 
it's a Mexican wrestling mask, but it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually blackface, but it's okay. Cause it's not makeup. Okay. That's how it works. So it's like asymptomatic racism. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might have the title for the show right there. <laughs> oh, look who's calling. Hello, it's Kelly. Hello. Kelly. Yes. Hello, sir. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much uh, for calling into the pod. Sure. Yes, this is Matt. Uh, thank you very much for calling us. We appreciate it. Uh, okay, for sure. Chris Moreno uh, speaks very highly of you. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he told me that you are a 40-year uh, veteran of a, of a, of a pretty uh, well-renowned life insurance company in, my, in the ballpark of what you do. Yes, that would be correct. Major insurance company. And I've uh, been in the business 40 years and, uh, yeah, seen quite a bit. Um, so on a few episodes ago, Matt and I brought up some statistics from, uh, from the insurance industry that we thought, I mean, they were almost too shocking to, to believe. And I wouldn't blame any of our listeners for doubting um, what they said, but from talking to, to Chris, uh, in fact, I think Chris was one of the people doubting what we had said. And after talking to you, he confirmed to me that, uh, that indeed we were on the right track at least. So, mm -hmm. um, I guess what I, what I want to start out with asking you is, um, there's this idea kind of floating around and about the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, um, killing people, or let's just at least say, um, you know, being coinciding with a lot of excess deaths and, mm -hmm. you know, one, you know, we, we, think that it's related to the vaccine maybe it's not but is that statistic itself that there are all of these excess deaths happening is that data accurate is that something that you guys have so, so maybe we should also add the the way the i guess kind of the path that had us arriving where we are now is we originally we had a notion we call it the walk out the front door notion that just what i'm seeing is not jiving with what i'm being told which is essentially the essence of this podcast and why we started it, to be honest. But we began to look at, we just personally, anecdotally, we just know more and more people were, you know, strokes and seizures and heart attacks. I mean, these are people in their forties, like, like healthy, previously healthy people. And then we started looking at just, you know, kind of on a hunch, we started looking up the nation's largest uh, funeral service providers. And we were looking at their, pro some of these companies, their profits are like doubling right around the time, you know, that the vaccine gets rolled out, which would be in December 14th, 2020. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then, then we cross reference that with like, well, let's look at, you know, what would, what, what would we see would have essentially an inverse to that curve and like, mm -hmm. well, what about like life insurance claims? And then we started looking at that. Um, and then we started seeing like, some of the you're looking at basically the stock portfolios of life insurance companies and and here we are now like knee deep in insurance statistics at this point which is somewhere yeah i never thought we'd be um any any, any thoughts on that kind of stuff well i think the first thing to understand is is, is that you know 
the two different types of life insurance companies. Okay. The very first type is a mutual, which are the strongest and usually the most, you know, you know, prominent insurance companies. So whether, you know, when you see that name mutual on an insurance company, that means that it's, you know, basically an insurance company is for the a mutual benefit of the policyholders and the insurance company. So there's a real, you know, accurate statistical basis of you know what the death mortality you know rate is right then there's the stock companies which basically are beholden to the stockholders which are straight up you know for profit so you know when you look at those statistics that you're talking about you know the second thing to keep in mind is is there's a, a, a long tail it doesn't happen in a short period of time, mm -hmm. like, you know, six months or nine months or one year. You know, it typically is something that you use, you know, a, you know, a, a one, three, five, seven, ten year trend. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and obviously trends go in certain directions, you know, usually up, down or flat. So but the trend is going up you know, with what is known as DMS, which is death mortality service, you know, by insurance companies. So, you know, by and large, over the last 20 plus years, if not 25 years, insurance rates have gone down because of medical technology and people are living longer. Right. Okay. Now, the overlay of that whole just schematic of life insurance is what state the insurance companies are domiciled in. And that's where they get basically uh, controlled at the state level as to like how many years of life expectancy they can use for, you know, people of all the different ages, male or female. So that's why you see the different insurance companies domiciled in different states. Obviously, the more conservative ones are in the Midwest and some of the, you know, more liberal ones are not only, you know, in the South or Florida or even are, are offshore. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> but when you look at, when you look at traditional insurance companies that are traditional mutual benefit life insurance companies, you know, they're, you, you're, that's where you're going to see the greatest, you know, determination of what trend is happening. So, interesting. Um, and so, and you're, what trend is happening? Are you well, seeing that this all of a sudden, since the vaccine was rolled out, that a lot more people are dying? Yeah. I mean, that's what the reports are showing that, you know, there's a, I mean, overall industry wide, I think the number that I last read was says that there's 500,000 more people have died than oh the gosh. previous year. You know, when it's cumulatively male, female, all ages. In America? In America, yeah. 500,000 in a year. Yeah. And that's kind of, that That was the number that was, you know, being put out in the, you know, in the insurance journals. That sure beats the flu deaths, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you have a, you know, it's kind of like now you have, you know, the convolution of the data. You know, what really is you know, the true cause of death, you know, and, you know, and the other thing that I read is, is that the military is the one that basically has really, really solid, honest statistics of like what is happening with these side effects from the vaccine. I've been seeing that myself, actually. That's yeah. You bring that up. Um, yeah, so. What are your, what does your industry say? I mean, obviously you're not the only one at well, your uh, office that's like seeing this uh, did are you guys freaked out by this uh, i i don't 
you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say freaked out by it, but you know, they're obviously basically, you know, probably obviously aware of it. And they're basically, you know, able to, you know, adjust accordingly, you know, so usually insurance companies basically set, you know, their, their, their tables of rates, you know, every year, usually on January one, you know, and they'll declare them, you know, or put a filing in to make any changes that they need to, um, you know, then the other th- part of it too is, is you got to remember is, is that, you know, in the U S there's probably, you know, just rather than state a specific number, there's thousands of insurance companies. Mm-hmm. So the risk gets spread over, you know, quite a significant amount of, uh, of people, you know, so does that mean that these companies, these insurance companies aren't really losing their asses? It's not like, no. uh, Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah they, they, yeah, they see a tick up in the trend overall, but then, you know, they share proportionately. Right. You know, so maybe, you know, uh, in a year from now, they would then potentially be seeing, you know, some increase in rates, you know, and then it may come into from an actuarial standpoint. They may say, hey, instead of the average male living to age, you know, 82, you know, they're going to, you know, it goes down to 78. And they know that they need to collect that much, you know, make up those four years over a person's life lifetime. Yeah, I actually, I made a call. I have a family member who actually owns an insurance company. They do quite a bit of life insurance, too. And he said kind of the same thing. I, I talked to him on the phone today and he goes, we like. He's all trust me. We are ahead of the curve when it comes to when people are going to yeah. die. <laughs> like there's a, right. you know, right. we 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 have it down like to it's frighteningly accurate to how we can project these numbers. Right. Um, but I think what Kelly was trying to um, maybe ask just a little bit before, like what just industry wise, like what what's kind of the what's in the zeitgeist. Like surely, like you guys are seeing these trends happening. Like, what within your industry or in your office? Like, you know, are you getting a lot of talk around the water cooler? People going like, "Are you noticed this? Is this standing out to you? Like, this is is this a statistical anomaly? Right?" Well, I think the 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 thing that that you know pops out when you mention that is is awareness. Mm-hmm. Is you know people are just more aware. You know, so, you know, you're going to see probably an increase in insurance, you know, life insurance sales, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, you know, and then basically this experience that insurance companies have definitely gets spread also too over the type of in- different insurance policies that they have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, you know, whether they have a 10 year term, a 20 year term or a 30 year term is really going to be play into it, you know, so, um you know, insurance companies, you know, also are the benefactors of the fact that, you know, 95% of all insurance that's sold in a given year is not enforced when the person passes away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that also too is in their favor as well. So, you know, you, these, they're, they're having an, you know, strong profit when it comes to, you know, what happens with the experience level. So, uh, you know, Unless it's like a whole life policy, which basically the trend in those type of sales, which, you know, go to age 100 or plus, you know, those type of sales have declined, you know, significantly with the advent of mutual funds, you know, since, you know, the 1980s. So um, it kind of basically is, you know, just people are 
on the front end, people are just more aware, you know, and that basically, you know, brings up their, you know, inquiry. Hey, I think I want to talk about some life insurance. I think I'd like to get some life insurance, you know, so. Right. Let me ask you. serves into it. Let me ask you this. Uh, the insurance industry has always been kind of the most realistic industry. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, if you want to know, you know, do seatbelts actually save lives? The industry that's going to know is going to be the insurance industry, right? The car yeah. industry is going to have some spin on it. The, mm-hmm. you know, if you listen to a politician talk about it, they're obviously, but the insurance industry is the one like it, the, the rubber meets the road or it's, yeah, you know, what you're getting with, at. There's a financial stake in pure, hard, honest data, like being correct, data. Right. being correct. Right. Right. And I, right. my question is, do you see, and I, so I would imagine, I guess, that the people that are in the insurance industry also share that kind of cold, hard truth adherence or, uh, you know, data adherence. Um, and I specifically speaking about the vaccine, would you say that people in the, in your industry are more skeptical or, uh, or does the same kind of, and I don't know where you stand on it and I don't mean to imply that you're, you know, what your stance is, but, um, over here at Liberty tree, we're, uh, quite skeptical and uh you know we wouldn't we wouldn't get vaccinated uh under any circumstances and i wonder if you know is there some sort of uh, does the insurance industry hold up a mirror to this in a way that the people that actually work in in your industry and um you yourself if you feel like uh commenting are, are they more resistant to the vaccine um, after having access to this, this pure statistical data. Correct. After seeing kind of this cold heart, these cold hard facts and this data, would, would you say that that's true within your industry? Um, that's a hard question to answer because it's too, it's, it's still too early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they don't, there hasn't really been any significant, you know, cycle to say, Hey, this is, you know, impacted now. Do you see that they, coming? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think most certainly, but that's, you know, that's the, the big question, right? You know, how is this going to manifest itself and show up? But when you look at the list of side effects, you know, a lot of those, you know, medical issues are basically, you know, stuff that's a part of the underwriting process. So whether it's from stroke to, you know, myocarditis to, you know, anything related to the heart, anything that basically, you know, is any kind of cognitive impairment. Uh, that's all stuff that basically is, uh, you know, brought into, you know, the underwriting process. So the, the also too, you know, the, then once that stuff does surface in the underwriting process, you know, then there's an additional, you know, premium that's charged for that. So, right. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You, yeah. You got your different categories going from, you know, let's just call the top, you know, elite, and then it's super, and then it's preferred, and then you get down to standard, and then they go below standard, and they table rate you, you know, A through G. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, so yeah, in a, in a truly free and open market, uh, if the vaccine was a health risk, then the insurance company would penalize you for having done it. I'm not saying we're going to see that because I imagine the. Just the fuckery yeah. of the system would prevent that from coming to light, but that would right. you would expect that, right? Right, 
Right. Yeah. That would all banish, that would, that would come out in the underwriting process of, you know, when you, you know, ask the big proverbial questions about your a person's medical history, have you experienced any of the following? Yes or no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you have, if you have, tell us more. And then they basically underwrite it and determine what kind of risk it is. So that's kind of interesting. That kind of pertains to the first part of the conversation that we had, because we were looking at some of the, uh, fi- I don't know, financial data for different life insurance companies. And we were you know, operating, you know, we were just dipping our toes in the water at this point, but we were operating under the false assumption. And they're like, well, if this was happening and there were more life insurance claims being, you know, levied towards the companies, then we would see kind of a diminished financial, you know, prospectus, you know, impact. Yeah. On them. And, but going back to what you're saying and also talking to my family members, like, no, we very, very quickly adjusted. We see these trends, but we, we have this data. We, we pay such close attention to it that we, we make these adjustments, you know? So when you're saying, when you write a policy for someone and you're saying like, yeah, I had a heart palpitations and they just pulled two blood clots out of me, you know, hypothetically, you go, cool. And, we will adjust your rate accordingly for your premiums. Yeah. Does that sound well, about right? Yeah. And it's the thing that you have to remember also too is, is that the insurance company, you know, uh, for the most part can't lose. Right. You know, so right. they're, they're, they're always adjusting, you know, yeah. to, you know, offset, you know, it's just, that's why they are who they are. And that's why they have the ability to pay these claims that they do. Right. You know, and the, the number one need that why a person gets insurance or life insurance is in case they prematurely die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So now what what's the definition of prematurely dying? Well, right. what's your life? What's your life expectancy? Right. You know, and then, OK, then you could then you cross section it over to the to the financial side and basically simply put the reason why a person gets life insurance is because they're you know, they want a pot of money there <clears> that can retire debt take care of their burial expenses and anything else that they want to in the event of their death. And most importantly, and with a lot of people, it's taxes. Right. So, uh, you know, but <laughs> don't get us, don't get us started. Do not get me yeah, started. You know, it's the last one you pay on the way out. Yes. <laughs> God, of course. Of course. Yep. We got, we got to send you some shirts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the estate tax transfer, also known as the death tax. Right. Yep. Did you, know, you so, also known as the money that was already taxed once? Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, that's the reason why the life insurance policies, the benefit of life insurance policies, is tax free. Yeah. To the beneficiary because the premiums used, or the money used to pay for the premiums, is already been taxed. Correct. So I'd love to give uh, you a, which a, seems yeah. like a simple concept, but <laughs> apparently it eludes yeah. most people. Did yeah. you see the documentary "Died Suddenly"? Yes, I've seen it twice. I watched it twice. Okay, what'd you and think? I, and I've had and I've had three friends die suddenly. Is that right? You know, one forty-seven, one oh. uh, fifty-nine, and the other one uh, sixty-four. That's uh, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry. We are. Um, we, we've had our uh, list of people that we know that have been either yeah. died or have been affected severely from it it's and, and and I, way and more I, than the people we know who have been affected by covid by the way just yeah and i and i know a guy who is a very experienced embalmer really who, who has experienced a lot of that same stuff that's in that in that uh that documentary you know died suddenly it's wow crazy yeah and he said the same stuff that he hasn't seen it before and all of a sudden he's starting to see it 
Yeah, he's he's very he's he's been in the business a long time. He's in his you know he's seventy years old, and he he's just beyond dismayed with it. Wow. And um, just, yeah, that's a tough one to explain away. You know, say what you is. want about the documentary, and maybe it has its flaws. But what is going on with those clots and people's dead people's uh, veins? Right. Yeah. And why all of a sudden? Yeah. Yeah, we we did a showing of it for Liberty Tree, our company, and we had some people coming, and we had you know beers and pizza and the whole deal, and we thought we'd have this social hangout, and everyone was it was just such a morose event. <laughs> By the time the film was done, everyone was just kind of staring at their shoes like in disbelief. It was, <laughs> wasn't yeah. the party we thought it was going to be? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. You know the thing is is um, you know how unconscionable the whole element of it is, you know, and yeah, I agree. You know, eventually what will happen is, as they peel the onion back, they'll get to the bottom of it yeah, and they'll, they'll find out, you know, like, you know, history always tells the, the you know, the truth. Right. And, uh, you know, and we're here, we are at two years, we're finding out more and more and more and more as we go, you know, and, yeah. uh, um, you know, and it's amazing how, people just basically put so much faith and trust into you know the people in charge and they, they, just, that we find out as you're saying you know we, you were alluding to earlier that the truth will come out and the truth has come out in the past and these people that we continually learn that they're either lying or you're lying by omission or just wrong and but yeah. we, we 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 suffer from this degree of presentism of like well I think they got it right this time I was like I, when are you when you're gonna understand that these people don't have your best interest at heart like either that right. or they're just so incompetent like you shouldn't listen anyway it's, it's well there's an incredible amount of larceny that's associated with it these yeah. people have an ulterior motive that basically you know after you know profit and the dollar yeah and just look at look at Moderna and the history with them yep I mean they they've never had a proven vaccine before. Yeah. You know, the other thing also, too, that's interesting, which is what I was talking uh, about, uh, was that, you know, I know I must have no less than, you know, a half a dozen friends that have been in the pharmaceutical industry for a long time and very familiar with the process of developing a vaccine. Mm -hmm. And every single one of them just says, no, 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 and shakes their head and says, uh, no. Right. No, meaning like this is not how it's Don't done. Don't go in. Don't go anywhere near this. Really? This is, yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me, I mean, there's a pretty accurate parallel to all the people in the tech industry that develop these social media platforms and are like, I don't let my kids on this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't let my kids anywhere near that poison. <laughs> God. Yeah. Monsters. No, it's, um, it's, it's, it, it, it's alarming, I think, is the way. Right. And then, you know, the other part is that the amount of people that are so trusting that, you know, just say, sure, you know, I'm, I'm all in. And, you know, the other part is, is then you have them, you know, like guys that are, you know, nutritionists or, you know, in the medical profession and they start basically saying, oh yeah, it's, you know, it's valid. It's good. And it's like, well, you know, that's not possible. Yeah. If you wonder if you understand the, the truth about, you know, what does MRNA mean? Right. So, but as far as, you know, the life insurance industry, you know, they're solid. Like I tell people, you know, Vegas didn't get to where they're at because people win money. That's funny. We said right before we got on, on the phone with you, I was like, you know, at the end of the day, we were thinking about, I don't think, you know, a 
this the the stock record of a life insurance company would would, would serve as an accurate barometer for you know uh, excess mortality rates, for example, mm-hmm. because we look at each other and we're like you know at the end of the day the house always wins, and then you bring up the yes. notion of Vegas. <laughs> like, there's a reason why these people stay in business. Right. There's a reason why that balloon toss game comes back to the fair every year. <laughs> They're operating right. at a profit. Right. Right. You know, people's homes don't burn down. By and large, they don't get in car accidents. By and large, they don't get sick and use their health insurance. And by and large, they don't die prematurely. You know, yeah. uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I went to a birthday party for a person who was 88 years old. And basically, we gave a toast. And I, and I Googled it. And I looked at how many people were born in the year 1934 when the person was born. Mm-hmm. And it was like just shy of 800,000 people were born in that year. Wow. And then you turn around and you go, what your next thought is, is how many of those people have died so far? Well, 87% of those people that were born in 1934 are still alive. Really? Wow. You know, and there was 107 million people the population of the United States. And the population now is a rough, call it 335. Yeah, 335, I think. 335 million. So it's basically essentially tripled in an 88-year period of time. And 78% of the people are still alive. No, 88% of the people are uh, still alive. I guess... I got to ask, uh, you guys hiring? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, you know, so the house, the house does always win. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that's the reason why they call it the house. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, uh, well, man, uh, I, uh, I couldn't be more grateful for your time. Yeah. Thank you so much. This, this was, uh, <laughs> probably the highlight of our podcast. To be honest, this was, that it was, uh, that was really interesting to hear your perspective. We really appreciate you calling. Okay. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, have, give Chris Moreno a hug if you see him. I will. Appreciate that sure. guy too. <laughs> All right, right, man. Okay. Thank you. Look see forward you to, yeah. Thank next you. time we're down there, we're hanging out, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. Bye.